title of our lesson this morning is Loyal Love, based on 1 Samuel 18, chapter verses 1 through 4 that was read for us this morning, and we'll take a look at that and some other verses that's contained there in 1 Samuel. And as I bring that up, oftentimes whenever we think about loyal love, we think about that in terms of relationships. We think about our spouse. We think about our BFF, our best friend forever, right? And so whenever we think about loyal love, we think about it in terms of relationship. Loyal love is a kind of love that is dedicated, it's faithful, it's trusting. Loyal love is valued, it is beneficial. And we keep all those things in mind and we think about that as we think about that concept of loyal love. But I want us to mention three points this morning. It starts with trust. In the scriptures, it is oftentimes referred to as covenant love. And it requires our own pledge if we are going to be involved with that kind of love. So I'm just going to put that first point up there, that it starts with trust. In 1 Samuel, the 18th chapter that was read to us this morning, it's talking about David and it's talking about Jonathan. It's talking about the relationship that they have. Now, this loyal love is not necessarily just spelled out there. But it's an example. 1 Samuel 18 chapter and verses 1 through 4 is an example of what I'm talking about when I talk about loyal love. I'm going to give you this word and we'll come back to it in a little bit. In the Hebrew, it is referred to as hesed. And it has to do with loyal love. It has to do with covenant love. And we'll talk about that as we get down through this lesson this morning. And so as we think about loyal love, we think about dedicated. We think about it in terms of relationships. I want you to keep that in mind. And whenever we think about loyal love, we think about someone that we came to know. Maybe we didn't always know that person, but we came to know that person. And then the more that we came to know them, we developed a relationship with them, and then we became committed to them. And what we come to understand is it's more than just head knowledge. I know them. It's relational. We become committed to that person. We're willing to sacrifice for that person, for that relationship. And we come to understand the benefits of this kind of a relationship. It's a relationship that grows. It's a relationship that develops. It's a higher level. I want you to keep that in mind also. It's coming to the point of knowing, trusting, caring, sharing, showing loyal love in that relationship. And we understand relationship, it's mutual. Right? It's relationship. It's valuable. It's beneficial. If you experience it, when you have it, you know it. And when it's gone, you miss it. So you treasure it. The books of First and Second Samuel that we've been studying on Wednesday evening 
Give us an example of loyal love. Now I want you to think about this as we get into this lesson this morning. So if I'm talking about loyal love, if I'm talking about the kind of love where you come to know someone, where that relationship grows, you become committed to, you're willing to sacrifice for, you recognize the value of it, who do you think I'm really talking about? Isn't it our relationship between God and us? First and second Samuel, isn't it talking about the relationship between God and Israel? And we'll notice the passages this morning. But I want to suggest to you, as we think about David and Jonathan, that what you see in that relationship, it's the story within the story. And that's the value of taking a look up at David and Jonathan. So actually what you do is you see in First and Second Samuel, and when you think about David and Jonathan, we kind of weave those stories together. We come to understand their relationship and we come to a greater knowledge of our relationship with God. In the Old Testament, as we've studied First and Second Samuel, there's these Old Testament stories, these, these Old Testament characters, there's these Old Testament places. And sometimes we read those and we think, well, why is this reserved for us? And Paul tells us plainly in Romans 15, Whatsoever things are written aforetime are written for our learning, that through patience and comfort of the Scriptures we might come to have hope. As I think about, see how God deals with Israel, see how He deals with David, Saul. <laughs> Don't I come to have hope <laughs> and see my relationship contained within that? Let me give you this example. As we've talked about Saul, he was the first king over Israel. That when he was first called, he was small. First Samuel 15, Samuel states this. There was a point in your life, Saul, when you were small in your own eyes. And what that means is you were humble. <laughs> Remember when he was called and they were going to anoint him? And Saul at first, he's hiding, it says, among the baggage. <laughs> he didn't want, come out here, you're king. <laughs> But it wasn't long till Saul kind of enjoyed being king. He was small at first, and then he became king, and then he became kind of rebellious, and then he didn't want to listen to God, but he still wanted to be king. Tragically, God had to take the kingdom from him, remove it from him. And yet Saul still struggled with trying to listen to God. And his life ends up ending tragically. But now there's a contrast. There's David. And here's a young boy who is called to be, anointed to be the next king for Samuel 16. And he too is humble. A teenager at that point. And we read about David, we read about his interactions with Saul, and we read about his interactions with Jonathan. And we read about the fact that David, because of his skills at being a warrior, Saul becomes 
jealous of him. And pretty soon he wants to kill him. And David is on the run. At the end of 1 Samuel, we've already gone past that. Saul and his sons, three of them, are killed. So who's next in line? Now it's that young shepherd boy that has been called, that has been anointed by Samuel to be the next king over Israel. And as we move into 2 Samuel, we're going to see David come to the throne. And early on, David is very humble. And God gives him great success and he lifts him up. Until tragically, David makes some terrible decisions, some terrible mistakes. And in the latter part of 2 Samuel, we see the consequences because he didn't listen to God and the impact it has on his life and on the lives of the members of his family and even on that nation. There's a theme that we've talked about in 1 Samuel. Do you remember it? Sue says, yes, I've repeated this numerous times. God will exalt the humble and he will humble the proud. The books of 1 and 2 Samuel originally were all one book. So that theme runs throughout. And see, we, we see that in Saul's life. God will exalt the humble. But he'll humble the proud. David. God will exalt the humble. But if you don't listen... He'll humble the proud. And so we see that theme ring true throughout the books of 1st and 2nd Samuel. And there's a lesson that is being taught there. And God wants us to learn it. That's why Paul says, Romans 15, whatsoever things are written aforetime are written for our learning. So what's one of the lessons that he wants us to learn? God will exalt the humble and he'll humble the proud. I've been asked before by younger people, what do you think is kind of the guiding principle in life? Or what are those passages? Well, that one comes to mind, doesn't it? But I oftentimes tell them Jeremiah 10 and verse 23. And Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6. And what I tell them is this, and what I remind others of, what I try to remind myself of. And when we look at these Old Testament examples of lives, these are real lives. Life's a big deal. Life is huge. And the decisions that we make can have big impact. And oftentimes we don't see the consequences immediately of the decisions that we make. And so sometimes those have to play out over time. I'm sure David, on that evening when he was walking on the wall, he didn't think about the long-term impact of the decision he was about to make. And so he went ahead. Isaiah, the 46th chapter in verse 10, 
speaking about God. It says He declares the end from the beginning. God knows the consequences of the decisions that we're going to make. And so He wants us to listen to Him. Jeremiah 10 and verse 23. O Lord, we know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walks to direct his own footsteps. We need help in life. Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Trust in the Lord. That's what we call walking by faith in life. So as I think about the various aspects of my life, as I think about my job, as I think about my career, should I think about God? Yeah. What choice are you going to make? What about a partner in life? Someone you're going to marry? Should I think about that? (laughs) Yeah, you should think about that. Consider what God has to say about that. What about the marriage itself? How a husband treats a wife, a wife treats her husband. Should I think about that? And what does God say about that? What about family? What about raising kids? Should I think about that? And what does God say about that? What about my finances? What about my recreation? All those things. Acknowledge in all your ways and He will direct your path. Can we see that? And he knows the end from the beginning. So Jeremiah says, it's not a man that walks to direct his own footsteps. So in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, God is talking about a relationship. He's talking about a relationship with Israel. There's a relationship between David and Jonathan. And hey, can I learn anything about my relationship with God? Paul says we can. So we try to keep in mind, God will exalt the humble and He'll humble the proud. So as I go through life, is there a principle that maybe I should try to learn and apply to my life? Well, I think it's right there, isn't it? God calls us to a relationship. I want to read to you from 1 Samuel, the 12th chapter, verses 22 through 24. Now, keeping in mind 1 Samuel chapter 12, remember back in chapter 8, Israel came and they said, We want a king. (laughs) And Samuel tried to show them, God's your king. (laughs) But they said, No, we want a king. Because we want to be like the nations round about us. So God is going to allow them to have a king. But in 1 Samuel, the 12th chapter, Samuel says this to them. Because now you have this new relationship. And now the nation has a king. But I want to remind you of some things. Even though God desired for to be your king and you didn't need this king. He's allowing you to have a king. But God's not going to give up on you. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 22. For the Lord will not forsake His people for His great name's sake. You know what he's saying? 
See, God called you, brought you out, made you a nation so that you could be a testimony to the nations round about. And God brought you because he loved you. And he developed this relationship with you. And just because now you say that you want a king, God's not going to give up on you. Because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. You know what that says? Hey, there's a relationship here. God has not given up. Verse 23. Samuel now says, For moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. And then he says in verse 24. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. What's Samuel saying? (laughs) Fear the Lord. Serve him with all your heart. And as you're thinking about this decision that you've made. Remember the great things that God has done for you. Because there's a relationship here. And it starts with trust. And God wants you to trust Him. But guess what? God wants to trust you too. And right now Samuel's saying, you're walking on shaky ground. But you serve the Lord and you trust him with all your heart and you remember the good things that he has done for you. Secondly, it starts with trust, but it's called covenant love. I want to read to you now from 1 Samuel, the 18th chapter. We read verses 1 through 4 where our reading this morning. I'm just going to read verse 1 through 3. Now, when he had finished speaking to Saul, now, what's that talking about? David, back in chapter 17, has killed Goliath. Saul takes notice of this, calls him to the palace. I want to talk to this young man. So it's obviously based upon the scriptures that or what's stated there, that David had to spend some time there. And he comes to know Jonathan. Jonathan is Saul's son. If you're thinking about who's the next in line to the throne, who is it? Jonathan. But watch what happens. Now, when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home. In other words, King Saul saying, David, from now on, you're here. Verse 3. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And what does Jonathan do next? He gives him his robe. He gives him his sword. He's dressing him in royal apparel. Here, David, this is for you. He loved him as his own soul. And they made... A covenant that day. The important word to notice there is covenant. And essentially what 
Jonathan is saying is, David, we're going to have this covenant. Whatever happens in the future, whatever it may cost me, whatever it takes, I want you to know, David, you can count on me. They made a covenant that day. Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And that's covenant loyalty. Now the reason why that is mentioned there is because that's a special kind of relationship. And that's the word that I was talking about earlier from the Hebrews. It's hesed. It means steadfast love. It means loyal love. It means a love that will last. A love that you can count on. That same word sometimes is translated within the scriptures as faithfulness. And we talk about it as being loyal. 1 Samuel the 20th chapter. I want to read two verses. Verse 8 and then verse 15. 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 8. Therefore, this is now David speaking to Jonathan. Therefore, you shall deal kindly. That word, hesed, is deal kindly. That's loyal love is what is being said. Therefore, you shall deal kindly with your servant. For you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. Nevertheless, if there is iniquity in me, kill me yourself. For why should you bring me to your father? Got to understand the background, what's going on by this time. By this time, Saul has already chucked a spear at David's head one occasion. And then in chapter 19, he sends people to David's house. And you remember Michael, David's wife, Saul's daughter? She helps David get away. Saul is out to kill David in verse 23 of this same chapter. David is saying to Jonathan, there's only a step between death and me. Your father is after me. He's going to kill me. I can't figure out exactly what I've done and why this is happening. But Jonathan, you know what I need from you right now? (laughs) What I need desperately from you right now? I need hesed. I need to know I can count on you. There's nobody else, it seems like, in the kingdom that I can trust. But I need you, Jonathan. And that covenant that we made, I'm reminding you. I need you to deal kindly with me now. I need you to show your love for me now. I need to know your faithfulness now. This is hard times, Jonathan. I need you. Verse 15. But you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. Surprise, surprise. You know who's talking now? It's Jonathan. But you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. What's Jonathan saying? David, I know you're going to be king. 
And in the day and time that we're living in, you know what happens when a new king comes to the throne? If he thinks there is any challenges from the previous king or from his family, if he thinks there is any challenges that are coming from anybody, you know what he does? He kills them. (laughs) He kills them. So now Jonathan is talking to David. But you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of the enemies of David and faced the earth. David, you're counting on me today. There's going to come a time when I'm really going to have to count on you, David. (laughs) Because when you're on the throne... I know what can happen. Don't turn on me when that happens, David. I'll need your loving kindness. I'll need you to stay with me. I'll need to be able to count on you. So you see the covenant relationship that they had? David said, Jonathan, I need you. (laughs) And Jonathan said, David, I need you too. (laughs) And that's the kind of relationship that they have. They loved one another. Their souls were knit together. And they made a covenant out of it. And they said, I got your back. (laughs) No matter what comes, no matter what it may cost me, I got your back. You can count on me. So stop and think about this a minute. What if When David met up with Jonathan and he was on the run from Saul. What if David had said to him, I I need your kindness. I need Hesed. I need to count on you. What if Jonathan said, well, you know, David, my father, he's kind of an ornery guy. And there's a real chance he's going to catch up with you one of these days. And if he does, when he dies, guess who's going to sit on the throne? It'll be me, David. So, I like you. I'll try and help you out. But I'd really kind of like to keep my options open. Is that the kind of covenant they had? No. And what if, on the other hand, when Jonathan came to David and said... You're going to sit on the throne. You're going to be king one day. But I need to know that you won't kill me and you won't won't kill my family. And what if David said, well, we're pretty tight today. But that could be years from now. And you want me to be good to you and to your family? You're asking for a long-term commitment. I don't know if I'm in this long term. But they made a covenant. And they have to sacrifice. And they need to know they've been counted on. And they're in it for the long haul. And that's what David did, we come to find out. For Jonathan. Not for Jonathan specifically, because Jonathan will die. But he'll do it for his son. 
And that's another whole lesson about Mephibosheth. I'll only say that once at a time. <laughs> but David will take Jonathan's son and bring him to the palace and he will sit at the king's table because of the covenant that they had. It starts with trust and then it calls for covenant love. 1 Samuel 20 and verse 23, I'll read that now. As for the matter which you and I have spoken of, indeed the Lord be between you and me forever. You see what's being said now? We're making this covenant. We're committing ourselves to it. And we want the Lord to hold us to it. See, what we need to understand from that is this. There are some things in life that are so important that we want them to rise, to go beyond the range of impulse or mood swings or fleeting feelings. So what it's saying is the Lord be witness to this covenant that we have between us. This is not a passing fancy that we're having at this moment. This is a commitment. This may call for sacrifice. This is long term. And the Lord is a witness between us. This is a covenant. And he says, the Lord forever. Verse 23. We understand that. We understand that kind of commitment. A commitment, a relationship that is beyond impulse. So, you know, a couple of kids that are maybe 15 years old, young boy, young girl, and they say, Oh, we're in love. And as soon as we turn 16, We're leaving school. We can do that. (laughs) We're getting married. (laughs) And as Medea would say, you know, Medea, (laughs) shut up and sit down before I smack you. (laughs) (laughs) You're just infatuated. You don't know what you're talking about. And the kind of commitment that you're speaking of, you don't have a clue. It's beyond impulse. It's a higher level. It's a covenant. And so when we talk about marriage, marriage is a covenant. And so we understand that. You're in it. And it's a commitment. And when we hear about people that have been married 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, we applaud it. Why? Because they've lived under the same roof? (laughs) No, we realize 
That's long term. There were some sacrifices along the way. And oftentimes we hear things like, oh, it takes work. <laughs> not my family, but not my marriage. <laughs> no, it does. It's a commitment. And we know that honoring those vows can be costly. But that kind of arrangement, we also don't want it to be open-ended. Well, today we stand before God and men and we are saying that we feel, have mutual feelings today, tomorrow. That's not what we say. For richer, for poor, in sickness and health, for better, for worse, until death do we part. See what God did with marriage? He raised it to the level of covenant. And we seal it before witnesses between man and God. And we take those vows. In marriage, we're saying to another person, you can count on me. I pledge today, has said. That's what the Hebrew is. Whatever the cost, whatever the future holds, it's a loyal love, a commitment. And we count on it. And some of the values, just a couple, in that, a sacred covenant gives direction. A sacred covenant gives security. Think about this for just a moment. If family is the foundation of society, then marriage is the foundation of family. And covenant is the foundation for the relationship. And it's the covenant that gives stability. And it's raised to a level beyond feelings and mood swings. So why do we make covenants? Because some things are too important to be left to chance. David saying to Jonathan, don't take your hesed from me. My life's on the line. Jonathan says to David, and one day my life will be on the line. And so they have a covenant. Vows. And they're navigating points. And they give direction to life. This is the direction I'm going in my relationship. And they are pillars. I'm building family on this. December 19th, 1976. Anaheim, California, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Two people, young, maybe not too knowledgeable at the time, but made a commitment, has said that day. 
That's a vow. That's a covenant. And you enter into it. And it's a navigating point. And it's a pillar for life. And you stand on that commitment, that covenant. October 22nd, 1976. Once again in the afternoon. Grandview, Missouri. There's a young man that is baptized. Born again. Born, and we'll talk about this more (laughs) in the coming weeks because we need to understand this covenant relationship. You're born into a covenant relationship with God. Israel, because of physical lineage, they were born into a covenant relationship with God. We are born spiritually into a covenant relationship with God. And that rises it, raises it beyond the point of it's just a private thought or feeling or a private prayer or passing emotion. It's a commitment. It's a relationship. It's faith. And it's repentance. It's turning like we talked about this morning in class. And it's confession of that other person that I'm entering into that covenant relationship with. with. Buried in water. Raised to walk. In newness of life. Baptized into Christ that we talked about. And what that talking about is, you're in a relationship. Has said, it may be one that I sometimes struggle with, but God never does. And we need to understand that. That's first Samuel chapter twelve and verse twenty two. That's what Samuel was telling Israel. The Lord will not forsake you. Isaiah 54 and verse 10, and that was our welcome slide this morning. He will not remove his kindness. Has said. From you. David and Jonathan's relationship for one another was steadfast, one to be counted on. Jonathan looked out for David. And as we move into 2 Samuel, we see in the years that followed, when David becomes king, he'll watch out for Jonathan's family. So David and Jonathan. Is the story within the story. Their relationship. Helps us to have a better grasp. Of the relationship that God wants with us. David and Jonathan trusted one another. David and Jonathan's relationship was elevated to the level of covenant. 
David and Jonathan's love for one another was Hesed. David and Jonathan reflect the bigger story. The love that God had for Israel, and even though Israel struggled with that covenant relationship. And it helps us to understand our relationship. But as you think about that kind of love, and the kind of love that God is offering, has said, why would someone not want to come to a love like that? Amen. Some have known love but they've not known love that is elevated to covenant love. Has said love. Some give love, but they're never able to give covenant love, that higher level of love. God pursues us, and He invites us to that kind of love. To that level. A relationship where He wants us to trust Him. And He wants to be able to trust us. But we have to come to learn that. David and Jonathan shared that kind of relationship. I'll leave it on this note. Jonathan is going to die, unfortunately, at the end of 1 Samuel. But David will mourn for his friend when he, when he hears the news. And David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, he will pen these words in 2 Samuel, the first chapter, about his friend Jonathan. He said, I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was wonderful. Passing the love of women. They had that higher level of commitment. That higher level of love. That loyal love. Hesed is what they shared. And their relationship illustrates what God invites us to. I want to extend the invitation this morning to everyone that is here. If you've never rendered obedience under the gospel of Jesus Christ, He calls, He invites you. He has shown His love for you. John 3 and verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's what He invites us to. That's what He's showing, the kind of commitment that He has for us. If you're a child of God and not been living as you should and you need to come back and make it right this day, if we can help you in any way, let us know. While together we stand, while we sing.